0: I'm in my room, and uh, my computer is turned on in front of me, and uh my microphone here. There's a uh, notepad open with some notes about my podcast. It's time to rewind. Uh, it uh, appears to be that they're open to the 15th scene of Memento that starts in color at 31 minutes and 30 seconds with Leonard pulling up to Natalie's house and confronting her with a picture of a tied-up and bloody Dodd, and ends at 38 minutes and 21 seconds, with Leonard laying in bed next to Natalie. There's also a Skype window open. Hang on. Who is this?
1: Uh, You really don't remember me? It's Eric Deutsch, your co-host.
0: Oh, uh, right, right. And, uh, uh, and who is this?
2: Hey, dude, it's Molly, again.
0: Oh, uh, quite right. And, uh, and of course, I'm Bubba Wheat, and, and I imagine I've told you about Memento, which is uh, what we're here to talk about, like, uh, like we always have been. Jumping right into this scene, this, this really changes the mood from anything that we've seen in this movie to this point it uh, immediately it it has this like driving beat that's designed to put us on edge even though like at at this point we have no reason to expect anything out of the ordinary
1: yeah i mean it's been a bit of a slow burn this movie up until this scene right and now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden um you know, some serious shit about to go down, right? He's, he's <laughs> at some point, we're going to find out he's going to really mess someone up named Dodd because of Natalie. We get more evidence here that uh, Natalie is not who she seems. So, uh, this is sort of a, the plot thickens kind of scene with that we're going to get into today.
0: Yeah. And I like that, you know, as, as he's walking up to Natalie's house, like you can see him holding the uh, Polaroid. Uh, quite possibly, like he was holding it the entire time he was driving. And it, as he w- comes up to the door, we see him through this, like, uh, this big door window that we can see him kind of head and shoulders. And then we're immediately come face to face, you know, this close up of the Polaroid that's just this uh, bloodied face with the duct tape over the mouth like a hostage situation and just in you know uh, leonard's handwriting just simply dod
2: i love her casualness of like oh i guess i don't have to worry about him anymore
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and 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 of course leonard asked the question that the audience needs to know that the audience wants to know at this point too and um i i like that Natalie continues to play the long con as she goes on with the lie, saying that Dodd was the one that messed up her face hmm i I think this at this point in time this is the uh most amount of distrust that Leonard shows to Natalie at this point because the you know the the previous two scenes with him and Natalie have been a a lot quieter uh more intimate and he has you know almost blindly trusted her i think mostly because of what he wrote down on the back of the polaroid yep Mm, yep but because he doesn't have that note at at this point here he is uh you know less trustworthy of, of her and asks you know how he can believe that. And she says that she came over right afterwards as if that would actually mean anything to him with his condition. Because he wouldn't know if she came over right afterwards or two days later or anything. And this is, I think, the most upset and animated that we've seen Leonard to this point. And I think it's um interesting that he... Brings up something that Teddy that Teddy says earlier in the movie, but later for Leonard, that someone is trying to get him to kill the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is a moment of kind of Natalie's true nature peeking through, because she is so excited as she asks, did you? Thinking that he may have killed Dodd. And just... You know, that's, that feels so different than what we've seen from Natalie to this point, that she would get this excited about him potentially killing somebody else. And
2: he's rolling in pretty hot, too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think this is, uh, a, again, kind of interesting in that he is searching for solidity so much, and he's running off of you know what he thinks is intuition on people. And so... <laughs> And again, like he doesn't know the stuff that he's done before. So Mm. it's interesting to see these kind of gaps of connection that he has that that he's like, oh, gosh, there's this guy like, oh, it's connected to her. Oh, okay. Like, what have you gotten me into and being like frustrated and and, and having at least some sense that he can be taken advantage of. Because he just is so simultaneously vulnerable, yet also kind of putting up this facade that he's like tracking things when he obviously is not capable of it.
0: Mm -hmm. And something else that I that I noticed, and I I talked about it a lot with the, uh, the first scene with Natalie, but I I didn't really bring it up much in, uh, in last week's episode. But Natalie is in complete control. Of this conversation. Like, from the beginning. Mm. Like, she is, you know, she immediately deflects, you know, saying that Dodd's the one that uh, did that to her face. Uh, she diffuses the situation. You know, she calms Leonard down. But it, she is never and she's never afraid of Leonard. Like we don't really ever see any fear from her. She is really just completely in control from the very beginning. And and I think that's that's fascinating for her character, and it really fits with the type of character that we find her out to be.
2: Yeah, her capacity to manipulate is really kind of fantastic here, because it isn't just about a, a vengeance play for her, but she also is opportunistic, which is a little slice of something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's, um, there's some really great facial acting by Carrie Ann Moss here. Um, when she says, I lost someone, too, a, l- a little deeper into the scene, you can see the gears turning in her head on what she's going to set Leonard up to do. You no, know, you you can see like okay, you know he's 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 hot right now, but he's not going to remember this pretty soon. You know what, what can I do now that I'll be able to play on later, uh, so I can manipulate this situation for my advantage.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I like how you know she tries to tear the Polaroid of Dodd and. Just like almost offhandedly, Leonard says, you have to burn it, which is something that, you know, we find out that there's something that he knows or has learned through his through the repetition. You know, it's a true fact. Polaroids are very difficult to rip by hand.
2: I think this is interesting because I think for her, it's twofold. One, it's the removal of evidence And two, I kind of interpret it as uh, I'm trying to calm you down and soothe you here. Let me take the burden off your hands and I'll and I'll get rid of it. You know, I'll I'll get rid of the memory for you. And so it's kind of this beautiful comment that you can't just crumple it up and throw it away. It's something that actually you have to take some real effort to destroy.
0: Mm. Like shortly after that, Natalie tries to give Leonard some advice. You know, she says, trust your judgment, trust yourself which is the exact opposite of the advice of one of his tattoos, which says, don't trust. And I I mm-hmm. think you could, you might initially think of that to mean don't trust anyone, but I think it also includes the concept of don't trust yourself either.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And some of that is like, you can't trust yourself, you need to trust facts, which I think is why he's, you know, obsessed with the documentation. And, you know, I, of course, if you have a system, then the system only works and, you know, Unless you uphold that. And when you choose to not uphold that, then, you know, problems occur. Um, The other thing I forgot to mention about burning is that there's a scene where he's burning objects that belong to his wife. And this is, again, that kind of allusion to not only him burning a Polaroid that we see later on, but also that in order to get rid of the memory, he has to like he, he like burns them. You know, he's he's burning little memories of his wife or at least, you know, accoutrements of his wife.
0: Yeah, it, it's like, you know, things aren't really gone unless they're burned, you know, cleansed by the fire, uh, mm-hmm. as it were. And then we get this great moment of Leonard talking about things that, you know, for sure. And again, this, this kind of goes back to the concept of like. Like with his memories of his wife, these are simple things. Like, you know, how something feels whenever you touch it. You know, the weight of a glass ashtray. These are things that most people just take for granted. But for him, it's, it's one of the few things that he can rely on in his memory because he cannot rely on himself to make new memories, to, to remember events. He can only remember It's, it's the different type of memory. He can only remember these, um, like, not facts, but he can only remember things that he knows to be Mm. true. And, and then that kind of leads him into the things that he is able to remember, which includes the memory of his wife. And then that kind of, you know, he came in angry and then, relating himself to the memory of his wife kind of brings him into a spiral of, like, uh, sadness, uh, down from anger. I I feel like this is the point where, like, Natalie's um, opinion of Leonard or how she feels about Leonard turns in a good way from her point of view. And to this point, she's really been using Leonard for her own purposes, and... Like, as an audience and as we've talked about this, we've we've already seen Natalie as someone is who's being kind to, to Leonard. But from her point of view, she really hasn't been until, I think, this point. And, like, what do you think it is about kind of this scene and, and her, like, seeing these tattoos for the first time that, that kind of changes her attitude? Or, or do you think that this is also... There's still, like, an element of manipulation? Or do you think... That Natalie really is growing some empathy towards Leonard in this scene.
2: I interpret it as she does have the capacity to have empathy for him. And I think she is moved by it because it is, I mean, when she says that they're freaky, they are. It's an intense thing. I mean, he's got intense facts, I mean, written on his chest. You know, he has trauma literally etched on his body. And so I think as as another human being, as, as opportunistic and manipulative as she is, I think that she is also, like, overwhelmed with the truth of it, too.
1: Yeah, well, we saw a couple of scenes ago in the diner um, that she has the capacity for empathy for him. Over the course of that scene, I had mentioned how um, it seemed that she, you know, she started out that scene with, with a pretty... Acidic attitude that softened even by the end of the scene. So she has the capacity for sympathy. And I think when she's first seen this tattoos, she's recognizing that this guy is damaged goods and, you know, it, there's, there's a, just, you know, being a human feeling bad for him. But I think that also those kind of emotions though, are kind of getting in the way of what she wants though, because to the point I made a few minutes ago, she then, Talks about losing someone. We get the introduction of Jimmy when we when she, she shows the photo, and the wheels start turning of you know getting back to to using Leonard for uh, her own purposes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's interesting that you know the, the first one that she sees and and she takes him again up to a mirror is the the one you know his uh, like his upper chest tattoo the the John G. Raped and murdered my wife. And that's kind of her first uh, experience with these tattoos. And then she takes the shirt off. And uh, again, you know, we get this moment of intimacy. Like the, this is them kind of sharing this emotional inter- intimacy between the two of them. And again, this, this, in this scene, just like the next morning. As she runs her hand across the the chest, uh, I I didn't mention it last week, but the you know specifically the tattoo that she rubs her hand across is you know the the tattoo that says "Find him and kill him," mm. and I I do think that that is important because you know we don't really know exactly how much Natalie knows. Like she know and she'll say it just a little bit later in this scene uh, that she knows that Jimmy went to meet Teddy and never came back. And so we know that that she knows of this Teddy, but we don't know if she knows exactly who Teddy is, and we don't know if she has or will make the connection between Teddy and John G until she actually gets the you know, the license plate number back. But I do think that the the wheels are turning with her and especially with that find him and kill him tattoo. Yep.
2: Yeah. I think that there's a, a genuine moment that she has in terms of compassion, but I think you're right. I think that when she kind of sees the the lay of the land, so to speak, then she's like, well, you know, there, there is a a way that I can leverage this for myself Um I think it's kind of interesting here. We had talked about it before in previous weeks um, that she kind of touches like over his heart and is like, you know, what's going to go here basically. And he was like, well, you know, maybe it's for when I find him that it's the spare spot. And then, you, you know, you do see a picture of him, you know, later on where he's kind of pointing to it. And so there is this little bit of sadness where. You know Teddy is being someone around if you you know believe him in that who who was around since you know the investigation the real investigation started that um he didn't he didn't uphold that for him he didn't he didn't say hey look no we we did actually catch the guy you know you can etch it in now it's interesting
0: yeah and I do think it's it's also important that he doesn't like whenever he says, maybe it's for when I find him, he, there's a lot of hesitation with how he says that. He's not like, he, he doesn't say like, as a matter of fact, Oh, it's for when I find him. He said, maybe it's for when I find him. Like it, it's, mm. he's very hesitant because he's not sure if that's what the blank spot is for. It's just his mm. best guess at this point based on, you know, the facts around him. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we get the the origin of um the note where she basically tells him about Jimmy and how she lost Jimmy. You know, she mentions that Jimmy went to meet Teddy and never came back, and that uh, kind of adds another piece to the puzzle of why Leonard may have killed Teddy, because at you know at, at this point on the first time watch. Uh, We hear the word, you know, we hear the name Teddy and we immediately connect it to Joey Pants. And the first time watch, I think that there, it's not too much of a stretch to think that, yeah, Teddy's the one that killed Jimmy and maybe Teddy is a bad guy. And Mm -hmm. that, that's why Teddy got killed because we're getting all these pieces, but there's still pieces missing. So we're not getting the full picture. And kind of just like Leonard in his facts and and tattoos, that uh, these facts can be leading us in the wrong direction mm-hmm, and then there's like just a you know a slight time jump um and it cuts to the two of them in bed, and it's a little bit darker so what do you think uh happened during that time jump like the do you think anything happened i mean there's definitely you know i i mentioned in in the last week's episode that they wake up in bed but i i think it is pretty clear that that they didn't have sex like they're you don't get that vibe at all right i agree i don't i don't get that vibe
2: Yeah, I I don't think they did. I think what it kind of more reads like um, is, is people who are really engulfed with talking over a long period of time. Because she's kind of like, he's sitting up, you know, it's not like he's laying down and, you know, like, okay, we're going to bed now. Like he's sitting up and talking. So it almost, I almost interpret it as they've been talking for hours, you know, they've been connecting for hours and she just happened to kind of snuggle up with him. Mm.
1: and so this this con this scene has um the comment that i alluded to in the last episode um where leonard so leonard says he doesn't even know how long it's been since Catherine died mm. and he says how am, how am i supposed to heal if i can't feel time mm. which is very brutal yeah um, and he figures I, th- that comment to me says if it's been years since she died Maybe he could move on, but if it's only been a few months, then there's no way he can. And so since he doesn't know how long it's been, he can't possibly heal. He can't possibly move on. And so that ties into what I was saying in the last episode of how if it has only been a few months, he can't be intimate with another woman because it's just too soon. And he Mm. doesn't know how long it's been. So he's just going to default it. Well, I don't know that it's not only a few months, so I have to just assume it is only a few months.
0: Yeah, and for Natalie, it's only been a couple days.
1: Right. Yep.
0: And, and I, I think that also, you know, that that ties into the phrase, you know, time heals all all wounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how is he supposed to heal if he's not able to experience time?
1: Right. You can't. You can't have the wounds heal if time heals them if there is no time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. If you're
2: not creating any more meaning making past your last memory which is one of trauma how are you supposed to heal from it
0: Mm -hmm. and and i think that this is like a, a very touching moment and it's it's a very like sweet moment and and this moment of connection it really makes the audience feel for for leonard and and his condition and his situation and by proxy because we do like Leonard thinks that Natalie is asleep and he's kind of talking to himself but we find out that Natalie is awake and and she's hearing this so it's building that connection between Leonard and Natalie because they're kind of experiencing similar situations because mm-hmm. they they've both lost somebody that they love Recently, or at least to them it feels recently you know for natalie it really is recently and for leonard it feels like it's recently
2: right yeah they're they're kind of bonding over grief um mm-hmm. i like that he gets up here and she rolls over and feels the bed it feels like where he was just as he was talking about you know <clears throat> excuse me, touching the, the side of uh, his wife's bed and knowing that she'd been gone because it was cold and that she kind of does, and Natalie herself does the same thing. So you can kind of see this mirroring of, you know, Jimmy's supposed to be there and he's mm-hmm. not anymore.
0: Yeah, and this moment is is interesting for a couple different reasons. Like, for one, it's, it's a little bit of leonard kind of going back into investigation mode because he's kind of looking around and investigating in a way natalie's room and the space that he's currently in uh just kind of uh, seeing what's around and also this is and, and this is something that um, christopher nolan mentions in his commentary this is really the only moment in this entire film Where we see something from a perspective that's not Leonard's perspective. Like we Mm. see, we see Natalie touch the bed, but Leonard is in the other room. This is something that he is not aware of. This is like one of the only times we see something that Leonard as a character is not aware of. Hmm. That's a good point. I think that builds this connection between Leonard and Natalie as characters with the audience, just in a sim- similar way that we see connections throughout the rest of the movie between Leonard and Sammy Jenkins.
2: I think it's interesting that he processes this as she has also lost someone. She will help you out of pity. And and I fe- feel like pity is kind of a charged word, hmm. you know, it's not out of camaraderie or um, even out of grief. Not, right. Or empathy. It's pity. I feel bad for you. So it has this mm-hmm. really kind of like negative connotation to it.
1: Yeah, that you're, you're, you're it, it's, it's not a positive word, pity. It, it's, oh, yeah, I feel much pity for you. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, it's almost a put down in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And then one other thing that I noticed, which is, um, I'm not entirely sure if it's a continuity error or if it's actually supposed to be two different pictures. But if you notice that the picture of Natalie and Jimmy in one shot that uh whenever Leonard is picking it up and looking at it, it's a different picture because Jimmy does not have any facial hair.
2: Mm.
1: Yes, I noticed the same thing. Um, when she first shows the photo of Jimmy, he's got the mustache he comes out of the room at night, he looks at a photo, he has no mustache, and then when he writes his note on the back of the Polaroid, we're again seeing that first photo with the mustache. And so I didn't know if this was just an unfortunate continuity error, a continuity error that was missed in editing, or if we're just playing with the concepts of memory and perception here, um, because Natalie's, uh, the angle of Natalie's face, I, I looked at this back and forth about 10 times in preparing for this episode. <laughs> Um, to see how did Natalie appear in the photo or not. And she looks, her face is tilted a little differently. So I don't, you know, the problem is if you're just doing it on one viewing, you may or may not even pick up on that. You know, when you're doing a movie by minute, this is the kind of stuff you're looking for. So it's very interesting to think about whether or not that was done on purpose or not.
0: Mm Hmm. And then the other thing that I noticed, which I, like, I can't get a, a, a good read on it, but the, the book, because I, I have noticed, I haven't brought it up, but the, I would say about 75 to 80% of the books that we see scattered around Natalie's house are all, um, spine, uh, spine in. So we only see like the, the blank pages. We don't really see any spines of any books. We can see a few of them, but they're uh, thinner books, so you can't really make out the titles on anything. And this was the first book that I kind of see any sort of detail. the The book that he is uh, sets the Polaroid on as he's writing, and it the only word that I can make out is Earthling. And like on one corner, which I'm not even sure if it's part of the book or possibly like some other postcard, you can see a hand holding a set of keys with like a key fob
2: it's interesting i I think it was actually last minute um when you kind of see the the you call it the headboard i noticed one of the books had uh as you were talking about like the pages facing outward like you don't see the spine like someone had written on the paper and i was like oh that's really interesting and i kind of have an association with like being in school and doing something like that like writing on you know, and so, or I don't know, like, from elementary school or something, but I'm like, uh, I wonder if there's some sort of, like, uh, educational reference with that.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've seen that a lot with, like, school library books. They'll kind of write on the, the edge like that, saying that it's a library book or what classroom it belonged to. hmm You know, he then, you know, just gets back uh, into bed, and this, again, is one of the first times where the end of the scene in a way is almost completely different than the way the previous scene started like the, the connection between the scenes it's there isn't really any repetition like it's he's in the same space but at the end of this scene he is laying down to go to sleep and then at the beginning of the previous color scene is him waking up in the morning and there's this is the first time that there's actually no overlap Hmm.
2: right it's yeah it's technically like the same yeah the same kind of time period
0: yeah it's the same setting but in in all the previous scenes and and in still a lot of the later scenes there is some overlap there's some like uh you know line or moment that is completely overlapped, but this this is the first one, and quite possibly the only one, but I'm not for sure there where there is no overlap because it's there's just the connection of the two of them being in bed, but this one ends at night, and then the previous one begins in the morning, mm-hmm. Uh, and then that is, uh, that's all the notes that I have for this scene. Do, do either of you have anything else? I do not. Nope. That's it for me. All right. Um, is, Molly, is, is there anything else that's, that you want to talk about, you know, briefly about anything else in the, in this movie that's, uh, that kind of stands out, like a, a favorite scene or any other theory that you might have uh, heard or had?
2: no I don't know of any other additional theories um I think upon watching because it's been a long time since I've seen this movie but I was really surprised about how much of a, of a significant impression it made on me um and and like I mentioned before just how much uh, I, I can see a lot of the ideas and tenant in this movie and that's pretty gratifying but yeah I, I guess the I think the only thing that really hit me about this movie is like the, I don't know, for some reason, maybe a <laughs> memory being a thing, uh, remembered it ending slightly differently. So I was a little bit surprised. It seemed kind of an abrupt ending to me. So it'll be interesting to hear once you guys get to that, what your take is on it.
0: Yeah. Um, I always liked the ending. I I appreciate where it ends. And, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting getting into that chunk to wrap up this season and uh, looking forward to you know all the other sessions uh talking about this movie because it's been a lot of fun already and it's i i'm looking forward to lots more great discussions uh but once again molly i'd like to thank you for joining us today and uh for the last time why don't you go ahead and Uh, Plug anything else that you want to plug and let everybody know where they can find you online.
2: Uh, So my personal website is mbalancreative.com. You can find me on Twitter at Dharma Soda Pop. And I'm also the podcast producer for Wednesday Wake Up. And that website is WednesdayWakeUp.com. And that's about the intersection of Buddhism and meditation and Western psychology. And so it's um, if you're interested in, in mindfulness type stuff, uh, it's a goodie and there's some guided meditations on there too. So.
0: All right. And as always, uh, thank you, Eric, for joining me for this, uh, this half of this movie and, uh, uh all of these color scenes.
1: Oh, uh, you're most welcome. Love being on. Mm-hmm. And by the way, yes, go to Molly's creative website. I own one, <laughs> one of her mugs, get one of her
2: mugs.
0: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will say that, um, I will do my best to watch Tenet before the recording of this season is over ah. and, and possibly share my thoughts if uh, if I can work it into a future episode. Uh, but as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm as well as anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. We have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a Time Loop group. You can join that and listen and share and talk about episodes as they come out, as well as have discussions about Time Loop movies and TV shows in general. And uh, until next time, I, uh, I believe I've told you about Momento?
1: Only every time I see you.
0: How am I supposed to heal if I can't feel time?